Good morning. Welcome. We're so glad you're here this morning. Whether you're here in person or joining us online from a vacation or from your home, it is good to be together in the house of the Lord. Good to be together in the Lord's presence. There are a lot of things happening this summer. I know lots of you are getting in trips that you haven't been able to get in in the past and moving pieces. I'm going to take this opportunity to give one more big push. Next week is our deadline for registration for Serve at Home. Serve at Home is an opportunity for our entire church community to come together for a few days to serve our community, to spend a few days together growing in the Lord, worshiping together, helping out some agencies and partners that we have as a church. Serve has been a youth program traditionally, but Serve at Home is not a youth program. We invite anyone, regardless of age, to come and be involved. So if you have questions about that or um, wondering what that would look like for you or your family, please come talk to me. I'll be over by the Serve board after the service is over. We would love to have you. Last year, it was a pretty transformational weekend for many people who were involved, and we would love for you to be a part of that transformation. Taking part Wednesday night, August 4, through essentially Saturday evening, August 7, with a celebration on August 8th here in the morning, followed by our church picnic. So with that, would you join me in prayer of preparation? Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Would you rise and body our spirit as we join to worship together? The love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Dwell in him, and he in us. Give thanks to the Lord, and call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him. And speak of all his marvelous works. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Who was, and is, and is to come.
The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy is the Lord. We just sang those words. We also recognize that next to God's holiness, we are not holy. We haven't lived as we wanted to live this week. We've sinned in thought, word, and deed. We've said things that have hurt others, and we've forgotten to say things that might have helped others. Would you join me in a prayer of confession? Almighty God, who sent the power of the Holy Spirit to fill disciples with the will of faith, we confess that we resist the force of your Spirit among us, and that you are supposed to serve you and reluctant to spread the good news of your love. continue in silent confession. Hear these words of assurance from Ezekiel 36 verses 24 through 28. I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. You will be my people, and I will be your God. Friends in Christ, by the power of the Spirit, we are united with Christ and given a new spirit. Live in the joy and peace of that assurance. Would you rise now and join us in singing Spirit of the Living God? 
please remain standing for a time of greeting. Friends here at Pleasant Street and those of you at home, the peace of Christ be with you. Before we all turn to greet each other, I want to try something a little bit different this morning. Uh, Ruth and I had the pleasure of attending third CRC in Kalamazoo last Sunday morning. Happens to be the church that she grew up in. We were married in, uh, but our former pastor, Derek, is now pastor there. So we had a chance to see Derek uh, and Sonia and Noah. They send their greetings and they look forward to coming out here for the 125th anniversary in October. So we'll see them then. But one of the things they did, which I thought was really nice, and if you could join me in doing so, if everyone could turn and face the back, we have a camera in the center of the balcony support there. And if everyone could greet those at home watching online, we're all here, so we tend to forget about that. So warmest greetings to all of you who are worshiping with us online. And now, please spend a few moments greeting each other here this morning. Could I have all the children come forward to be dismissed down to Kid Street? so glad you're all here this morning and just as we get to hear from God a little bit more upstairs we're excited that you get to hear from God downstairs in your classes with your teachers people of God what is our prayer Lord continue to show us your wonderful never stopping never giving up unbreaking always in forever love amen Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. I think that's on. There we go. My name is Dawn LaFrancis, and I am one of the elders here at Pleasant Street Church, and it is my pleasure and uh, my humble privilege to lead us in prayer this morning. So if you would bow your heads, let's pray. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are filled with your glory. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, you are the creator of all things, and we come before you this morning with humble gratitude, recognizing you for your holiness, your amazing power, and your incredible and redeeming love for each of us. Father, we come to you this morning from many places and in many states of mind. Some of us are coming to you after a week of vacation and rest, and our spirits are peaceful and waiting on you. Others of us have come from a frantic week of worries, heartaches, and trials, and our spirits are overwhelmed, in turmoil, and not really sure that we have the time, or maybe even the desire, to be here. And still others of us have come here this morning with really no sense of purpose. We came simply out of habit, perhaps even unwillingly, and our spirits wonder why we are even here. Father, no matter how we got here, your Holy Spirit has led us here and has also come into this place. We ask that you will now, in the quiet of this moment, flood each of us and let us feel your presence and peace over us. Lord, we thank you for your care over each of us this week, for safe travels and a time of relaxation for those who have been on vacation. Father, we pray that you will continue to be with Pastor Matthew and his family as they finish their vacation this week. We ask that this will have been a time of refreshment and reconnection for their family and that they will return renewed and excited about growing together with us. We thank you for your care over members of our Pleasant Street family who have undergone treatments and surgeries this week. Thank you for successful hip surgery for Chris, and we pray now for healing, relief, and patience as he recovers. We pray for Jenny, 
whose hip slipped out of place this week. Be with the doctors who care for her and determine whether she will need to undergo surgery. We continue to pray for Carol L. that you would heal the fracture in her arm so that she does not need surgery. We pray for Mary as she navigates a newly diagnosed autoimmune illness and prepares for surgery. Grant her and Alvin wisdom as they learn what all of this means. Be with Carol H., who continues with her chemo treatments. We ask that the side effects of treatment will be minimal. Lord, for all of those who are undergoing treatments, are healing from injuries, or are struggling under the weight of chronic pain or serious medical diagnoses, we ask for your mercy and tender care. We ask also that you would be with those in our families who are shut in due to age, illness, or ongoing fears brought on by COVID. Help us to look for and reach out to those who might need a helping hand or a word of encouragement. We pray today for all of our brothers and sisters throughout the world. We pray for Anthony, who is deployed in Saudi Arabia. We ask that you will protect him and all of our other military service members as they are away from home and bringing peace to other parts of the world. For those who are bringing your word in faraway places, grant them safety and also encouragement when they feel lonely and discouraged. Be with those who worship you in fear of persecution by government or even their own families. Reward them, Father, for their commitment to you, even in the face of adversity. Lord, we continue to thank you for the excitement of Serve coming in just a couple of weeks. Thank you for the countless hours that Annika and her team are putting into planning ways for us to be your hands and feet here in our community. We pray that each of us would consider how we can be part of this exciting opportunity to serve and to grow together as a church family. Father, we thank you for bringing Pastor Justin and Sarah and Silas to us this morning to bring us your word. Thank you for their ministry at Resurrection Church in Boston. And we ask that you would continue to bless them as they seek to reach those in their community who need to hear of your love and saving grace. Holy Spirit, we ask again now that you would come and take over this space, open our ears to hear you, our hearts to be receptive to you, and our eyes to see you at work, not only here during this time, but in every facet of our work and play this week. We pray all of this through the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be all glory and honor. Amen. This morning's reading is from Acts 8, 26 to 39. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. <clears throat> This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Who, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. 
Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Pleasant Street. It's so nice to be with you. Good morning to those of you uh, worshiping online as well. Uh, Sarah and Silas and I are so excited to be here. Uh, Our boy is two years and three months old, and he's having his first go at uh, children's church. I'm not sure what you call it here, but he's downstairs, so mom and dad are keeping an eye on our phones to make sure everything's okay. Uh, But thanks for welcoming us and welcoming him. Uh, I bring greetings from Resurrection Church in Boston, uh, a new church plant that you all have supported in prayer and other ways. Uh, We are coming out of the pandemic. God has been good to us as a young church plant. He sustained us. Uh, We've had interesting transitions, but we've actually seen growth in our church community particularly from people in our neighborhood, which is our prayer. Uh, And it's the dream of any church planner that you would be reaching the local people that you planted the church to reach. So continue to pray with us. Uh, The the coming year or so is very important for us as a young church as we continue to get established. Uh, So we need the blessing of God and the, the prayers and support of our larger church community. So we're grateful that you're with us in this ministry. Um, If you know me, one thing you would eventually come to learn is that I am not a good dancer. Uh, Before Sarah and I were married, before we dated, uh, we were good friends, and we had a group of friends that danced a lot. There's a lot of fun dance opportunities in Boston. You can You can go to the Lindy Hop, you can swing dance at MIT, you can blues dance in Harvard Square. There's a vibrant dance culture in Boston, as you might imagine, but you have to know where to look. I've never danced before. Sarah knew where to look. She's an excellent dancer. Um, I actually grew up and I I had never danced. Uh, It was not part of our family life. It wasn't part of the faith tradition that we were raised in, so I had never even tried to like move my body in a dance fashion until I was 26 years old, right before I met Sarah, which meant that if I was going to keep up with our friend group and with this girl that I was so interested in, I was going to need dancing lessons, and so that's what I did. I went and I got some dancing lessons. Uh, My teacher taught me the basics. She introduced me to the roles of leading and following in partner dancing. Uh, She taught me that, you know, traditionally, if a man and a woman are dancing together, that the man takes the lead, and then with subtle gestures of his hands, his body, his body weight, he shifts and the woman follows, and then together they can create this really beautiful, uh, you know, display of connection and physicality. Um, I have never been able to do that very well, (laughs) despite the lessons that I took. But what I I learned through those lessons is that leading is not always kind of top-down hierarchical, uh, like, here's what you have to do, obey me. But leading can be a participatory uh, dance where one person is gently gesturing and the other is freely responding. And so today, as we look at this text, I want to suggest to you that the Spirit leads us often as though we were dancing in a participatory partner dance where the Spirit gestures and we respond. The Spirit nudges and moves. He leads and we follow And the Spirit of God wants to choreograph our lives in real time so that we end up displaying the beauty of life with God and then invite others into the dance. I've titled my message, Spirit Lead. 
It's a prayer. It's a request. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you lead us? And as we move into our text today, I want us to discover three things. The Spirit leads us to the unexpected. The Spirit leads us to Jesus. And the Spirit leads us into divine communion. The Spirit leads us to the unexpected, to Jesus, and ultimately into divine communion. And I'll ask you to keep your text handy if you want to grab your pew Bible, or maybe we could have it projected up here. I'm going to follow the text pretty closely today as we explore this incredible passage about the conversion of this Ethiopian eunuch through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So first, the Spirit leads us to the unexpected. Our text begins with an angel of the Lord giving dance step instructions to Philip. Philip is a deacon of the church who is just learning how to respond to the Spirit's lead. And the first step that he is to take is found in verse 26, where we read, Now when angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And that little thing you see there, the desert road, that's an editorial from the author of Acts, Luke. And he's wanting us to note that God is calling Philip to an unexpected place, a desert place. Shouldn't it be that the Spirit of God would lead us beside still waters? Shouldn't he lead us to places of plenty and population and power where we can make a real difference? We're following shortly on the heels of Pentecost, and the gospel is exploding in the ancient world, and yet here is the Spirit leading Philip to a desert place. If you have walked with the Lord for some time, you know that he often calls us to the unexpected, to the desert, to the small. We'll see why he does that. In verse 27, Philip keeps in step with the movement of the Spirit. It says, so he started out. In another translation, it says, he rose and went. So the Spirit has given him this instruction through the angel of the Lord, and the response of faithful Philip is to rise and go. He's learning how to dance. He's learning to trust the Spirit, to listen. Even when they find themselves two-stepping into very interesting scenarios, like into this desert place, the early followers of Jesus are listening and responding, working in partnership with the Spirit. And they're working in partnership with the Spirit to accomplish the desires of God. See, God is actively at work in this text. He wants something to happen. Philip doesn't yet know what it is. But God is inviting Philip into this participatory dance to accomplish the desires of God. And what is God hoping to make happen in this text? You read on in verse 27, where it says, On his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, or in some translations you'll see Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. We'll pause there. Philip is encountering a kind of individual that we have not yet seen in the book of Acts. Uh, the, the book of Acts tells the, the story of the spread of the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. And then you remember Jesus said that they will be his witnesses even to the ends of the earth. Well, here we begin to approach what was in the ancient world considered the ends of the earth. Now, to we... Uh, us moderns, when we hear about Ethiopia, we don't think that that's the end of the earth because we have a sense of the scale, the, the largeness of our world, right? But for ancient folks, even for ancient authors you would be familiar with, like Homer or Herodotus, even for the individual living in ancient Jerusalem, 
the ends of the earth were associated with an ancient nation called Ethiopia, which today overlaps with parts of Egypt and Sudan. So very quickly, by the eighth chapter of Acts, we are moving to the ends of the earth. Let's keep reading in our text. We're told that this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship at the end of verse 27, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And then the Holy Spirit has a new dance move for Philip. He says to him, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Go to that chariot and stay near it. The Spirit is doing something unexpected. I was once sitting at a stoplight and I had my windows down, minding my own business. I like rock and roll music, so I was playing some rock and roll music, not too obnoxiously loud, but maybe loud enough for the person next to me to hear it. And suddenly, the person next to me started shouting at me at the stoplight, trying to get my attention. This caught me off guard. Uh, it, you know, it would catch you off guard. if so. <laughs> we, don't, we usually give one another space when we're in our cars, right? We're not shouting between cars. But he wanted to know what I was listening to. You know, it created this kind of fun and awkward moment. I have to imagine that's what the Ethiopian eunuch might have felt like when Philip ran up to his chariot. Now think of the position that this Ethiopian eunuch is in. He is in a foreign land. He has traveled to Jerusalem because he's interested in the God of Israel He's now in a deserted place on a back road, and suddenly someone is going to be running out, as we're told in verse 30. Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. So put yourself in the position of the Ethiopian eunuch. I mean, I would probably be unsettled at the least, maybe afraid. I'm in a, a foreign place on a back road, and someone's running after my mode of transportation, yelling at me, trying to get my attention. We know a little bit more about this Ethiopian eunuch because of the details the author fills in. He is a powerful court official, the chief finance officer in Kandaki's kingdom. So he's well off because he's riding in a chariot. He's being driven by a chauffeur. He's reading which was common in those days to read while on the go in an unexpected, deserted place with this strange man running after his chariot, the spirit is leading to make something unexpected happen. And so Philip yells at the Ethiopian eunuch and says, do you understand what you're reading? I might have told the chariot driver Hey, let's pick up the pace. <laughs> but the Ethiopian eunuch is intrigued by the question he hears because he is immersed in this scroll. He's just spent time in Jerusalem. He's considering this God of Israel. He's reading the text. The Spirit is obviously at work in his life, and he wants to understand what he's reading. He wants to understand. Now, you have to know, this Ethiopian eunuch is not Jewish. He's not even a convert to Judaism. But he's compelled by the God of Israel. There's something about this God, different than all the other gods of the ancient world. He wants to know more. So he tells the chauffeur, let's slow down the chariot. And in this way, the Ethiopian eunuch is following the gestures and the leading of the Holy Spirit, opening himself up to deeper conversation about the God of the Bible. So he risks a reply in verse 31. He says, how can I, in other words, how can I understand what I am reading unless someone explains it to me? And then he takes a real risk and it says, so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Something sacred and holy is taking place. And it's here that we see, secondly, that 
Not only does the Spirit lead us to the unexpected, but the Spirit leads us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves to speak and lead in ways that lead us to Jesus. It's the Spirit's signature move. And it's what this whole episode is about. The Spirit leads Philip on the mission of Jesus so that the Ethiopian eunuch can be led to an encounter with Jesus. And that's why the, the text that the Ethiopian eunuch is reading when Philip and him cross paths is by no means an accident. In verse 32 of our text, we get a snippet of an Old Testament prophecy. It says, this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. And maybe when the text was read this morning, it sounded a little familiar to you. If you're familiar with the prophet Isaiah, it reads, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch is reading from a Greek translation of Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. And I love the question that he asks. You know, when we approach the Bible, we have lots of questions. I mean, we can tell a lot about a person by the kinds of questions that they ask. What can we know about the eunuch by exploring his question that he asks in verse 34? He says to Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? In other words, he's asking, who is this passage about? Who is this innocent sufferer? Who is this humiliated one who was denied justice? Who is this lamb who approaches his unjust death with dignity? And there's part of me that wishes that we knew the Ethiopian eunuch's name. It even feels a little impersonal to keep referring to him as the Ethiopian eunuch when he's obviously a main character in this text. But there's a reason that we do not know his name. It's because the author wants you to know him by his ethnicity, by his sex, and his job. The pieces of an individual's identity are crucial to understanding their role in the story. You think of the way that the Bible does this elsewhere when you hear about the good Samaritan. The fact that he is a Samaritan is important in the story. Or you think about the Syrophoenician woman or the Corinthian jailer. In each of these instances, it is the component parts that make up these individuals' identities that are crucial to the story. So why is it crucial that we are reading about an Ethiopian eunuch who is a court official a chief finance officer for the Kandiki. The Ethiopian eunuch is compelled by the God of Israel for a reason. From one angle, from one perspective, he is powerful, right? He's likely robed in royal garments, the garments of the court. He's riding in a chariot. He looks powerful, but in reality, the Ethiopian eunuch is a slave. He's what sociologist Orlando Patterson calls an ultimate slave. Now, you and I have to do some work here because we don't understand what eunuchs are. We don't have eunuchs in our world. But to be a eunuch was to be castrated. This man had been cut off from his family of origin and cut off from the possibility of creating his own family. So he was in the position of chief finance officer precisely because of the beliefs that ancients had about eunuchs. They believed that if they could take the male mind, which they at that time viewed as superior to a woman's mind, if they could take the male mind and eliminate the male sex drive through castration, that they could create a sort of super servant. I hope that you hear that and, and it, it feels evil, because it is, right? To have power exerted over one's body in that way, to be 
cut off from a family of origin, to have your future cut off. The Ethiopian eunuch is compelled by the God of Israel because of all the gods of the ancient world. This is the God of liberation, the God of abolition, right? The God of the exodus. He's compelled by this particular scripture about the innocent sufferer, the one to whom justice was denied in his hour of humiliation, because it is as though he's looking in a mirror, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. I mean, imagine you're a eunuch and you're reading this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. You have to imagine that that is how he felt, as though his life had been stolen from him. And so it is no surprise that he is attracted to the God of Israel. But the mind-blowing thing, this is incredible, and this is what the Spirit is leading to this moment in verse 35, where it says, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. The good news about Jesus. And suddenly... This man hears that not only is the God of Israel a God of liberation, but he is a God who knows what it is like to be physically abused, violated, disfigured. See, to this point, the Ethiopian eunuch's relationship with the God of Israel has been fraught because he's had to hold two things in tension. And if you were reading the story of eunuchs in the, across the whole Bible, you would have to hold this intention. There is a law in the Pentateuch that prohibits eunuchs from joining the assembly. This is how we know that he is not a convert to Judaism. Eunuchs were not allowed to convert to Judaism. So there's this ancient law... But this has to be held in tension with a prophecy from the same Isaiah scroll he's reading, which is a promise to eunuchs. So he's holding these things in tension. He held them in tension as he visited Jerusalem. On the one hand, I'm an outsider. On the other hand, there's an Old Testament promise that God will make space for eunuchs someday in his house. So he travels to Jerusalem. He's clearly standing out as one of the only black men in Jerusalem at the time. He's a eunuch, so he's barred from getting any closer to the temple than the outer courts. But this outsider experience is sitting alongside a promise. And I want you to listen to this promise. It's from Isaiah chapter 56. And this is why this man is compelled by the God of Israel. It says this, Let not the eunuch say, Behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. The empire had cut off this man's ability to have sons and daughters. And here the God of Israel is promising that he will give eunuchs something better than sons and daughters. The empire that had enslaved him had essentially said, no Future And here's the God of freedom promising an everlasting name, a home. So no wonder this guy was trying to get as close to the God of Israel as he could. And so when Philip tells him that Messiah Jesus has not only suffered injustice and experienced violence at the hands of the state, but has raised from the dead... This man finally begins to understand how God might be able to keep that promise. If the Messiah rose from the dead, so might he. 
if the worst has been overcome by Jesus, he might do it in my life. Maybe this is a God who can keep this promise. And so then comes a crucial question in verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? This is an explosive question. What prevents me from being baptized? In the past, his ethnicity and his ambiguous sex had prevented him from joining the community of God. His life was one of exclusion and ostracization. And now he's asking, is this, have I really found it? Have I found it? Like, have I found the community where, where I will be welcomed into the family of God? Where I will be fully embraced and known and loved and cherished? Now, there's narrative tension here if you're reading the book of Acts because the early church had been baptizing Jews and Hellenist converts to Judaism, but they had not yet baptized a Gentile. They had not baptized anyone like the Ethiopian eunuch. And you know, baptism is a sign and a seal that one is a recipient of God's promises and also a member of the covenant community. So, when the Ethiopian eunuch asks, what is to prevent me from being baptized? The reader is supposed to go, it's like a cliffhanger, right? We're going to tell which way this story goes by how this question is answered. So we're faced with this question. Is God's family really open to Gentiles, to eunuchs? And watch what Stephen does. Look at verse 37. Excuse me, 38. He gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And the whole world rejoiced. Because this is a clear declaration that our God is the God of all nations, all peoples. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The Spirit was leading Philip into new ministry. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Friends, this is incredible. Philip follows the lead of the Spirit and baptizes the first Gentile. There's a biblical scholar, Justo Gonzalez, and he explains what's happening here. He says that on taking this step, Philip is moving ahead of the rest of the church. The church still has to work things out. In, in Acts chapter 15, there will be the Jerusalem council. But Philip is following the lead of the Spirit. The Spirit who is drawing all Jew and Gentile alike, male and female and eunuch, slave and free, into divine communion, into his healing household. Now, through baptism, everyone can be joined in union with Christ and his community. The Spirit is drawing and leading and calling all peoples, without exception, into his household. Beautiful. Beautiful. Friends, I want to ask you today, to what unexpected place might the Spirit be leading you? Maybe it's serve at home coming up. And that hasn't really been your thing before, but you're feeling the, the, a nudge. The Spirit is gesturing and leading you to respond in partnership, to go to an unexpected place, to try something new with unexpected people. Maybe the Spirit is leading you to reconcile with an unexpected person, someone you thought reconciliation would be impossible with. I would ask you this week, take some time to, to speak to God and to, to the Holy Spirit and say, I would like to be led by you. I would like to, to have some dance lessons. <laughs> I'd like 
to, to be able to respond so that people might be led to Jesus. That's what the Spirit's doing. The Spirit's not going to lead us off into some craziness. The Spirit is leading people to Jesus and into divine communion, unexpected people in unexpected places. I want to ask you to open yourself up to that this week. Family of God, we are learning to listen to the Spirit. I want to encourage you to learn to follow His lead, to keep in step with Him as He choreographs your life as he moves you to the unexpected, as he sends you on the mission of Jesus, calling everyone into the family of God. I pray that it would be so at Pleasant Street Church, at Resurrection Church in Boston, and beyond. Uh, Let's pray together. Spirit, lead. That's our prayer. We pray that you would lead and guide us, that you would move and that we would follow, that we would participate. We thank you for this beautiful scripture that shows us the wide open heart of God. God, you desire all peoples to come to you. You've made beautiful promises, even to the excluded. We thank you for the witness and testimony of the Ethiopian eunuch. We thank you for the faithful obedience and following of the spirit of Philip. Lord, would you make us sensitive to your spirit so that we too might be used on your mission in unexpected places with unexpected people to see people brought to Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Okay, now's the time when um, Echo Kids, grades three through five, can come forward. As they come forward, let's um, give them our, um, what's our prayer for these kids. Almighty and loving God, thank you for the gift of your word. Help us to believe what we have heard, plant it deep in our hearts, and live in ways that honor you above all. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. This is also the time in our worship when we give our offering to God. Now, we're not going to physically take the offering today, but you can continue to give online, or there is a box out in the fellowship hall. And um, basically, our offering now is a song. So would you um, stand up and join us in singing, Holy Spirit, Living Breath of God. Thank you. 
What a joy to have worship with you today. Uh, receive now this blessing from God. Go out into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return no one evil for evil. Help the suffering. Honor all. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Consider your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're Have a wonderful week.